10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Am I Allowed to Like Anything podcast. I'm your host, Darian Simone Harvin. In this episode, Debbie Dev joins me. Debbie is a radio and TV host and the founder of Karma Bliss, uh, which is a lifestyle brand that really seeks to guide people through self-discovery with the help of meditation, crystal healing, vision boarding, and journaling. So I gave Debbie Dev a call at 93.7 The Beat in Houston, where she's a host, to talk about her early path into radio some of our favorite interviews, um, what crystals really are and how they're here to help us in our day-to-day lives, and also how radio and Karma Bliss have become avenues for Debbie to inspire others. Remember that you can rate and subscribe to Am I Allowed to Like Anything on iTunes, listen on Acast, and always join the conversation using the hashtag A-I-A-T-L-A. Well, okay, well, here's my first question for you, because you told me that you've been, how many days out of the week are you traveling? Because you are everywhere, like Houston, L.A., sometimes you're in New York. Yeah, it's been crazy, and I've definitely had to up my vitamin C levels, because I feel like every week I'm getting sick. Um, you know what? It, it it kind of, like, mixes and matches. Like, last week I was gone probably, like, three days out of every week. Um, so I was doing, like, a ton of traveling. Um, like, one of the weeks I was in... Canada, I was in New York, I was in LA and Houston all in one week. So that was kind of that was kind of tough, but usually like now I'm kind of gone at least like a week out of the month. All added okay. up. Okay. That's great. I was actually listening to you on um 93.7 earlier this week just to, you know, get a vibe for what you're really like on air and everything, and I wanted to tell you that um I feel like during this age where you know, there so many different ways that you can listen, obviously, to music. You can stream. You can listen to the radio. I have been such a lover of radio ever since I can remember. Like, I just can't let it go. I can't go from just, like, not listening to it any longer just because I'm in the city. You know, it's like something where you used to listen to it always in the car. And now I'm, like, on iHeart. I listen to to Beats 1. So I don't know. Just the art of the radio, I can't get away from it. I love it. Yeah, you know what's so crazy? It's like every year, right, there there are these, like, tech people that come out or, or even just kind of, like, young people and say, like, oh, radio's dead. But the truth of the matter is, like, I just went to this convention and they broke down, like, the, the growth trends. And every mm. year, radio keeps growing. Like, really? radio is far from dead. And I think that's just kind of, like... You know, it's what you would think considering all of the new ways that people can consume music and get their information. But the core listener for radio is still the person that wants to hear it while they drive. You know, it's still the person kind of taking their kids to school or, you know, headed to the graveyard shift. It's people that don't want to have to think too much and program a playlist or pay for a subscription service. You know, like there's still there's still like really something to be said for 
the companionship that radio offers you. You know, you don't quite know what's going to happen. And I also think the element about radio that I love the most is, you're right, like companionship component to it. And also just knowing that someone who you trust or you think is cool or whose music that you you like what they play, right? Like you want to be put on to what they're listening to. Right. And, um, and so, I don't know, I, I, I love that component of it. Um, but so, okay, so there are so many things I want to talk about, and I know that we don't have forever, so I'm really, I've got my questions tight, and I have so <laughs> many things that I really want to talk to you about, especially Karma Bliss, because, well, I'll, I'll get more into that later. My first question to you, and the question that I ask everyone is, how how did you grow up? You know, how did you really, um, I know you grew up in L.A., but, like, what was your life like? What kind of led to your love of, of music? You know, what what was all of that like for for you, at least, growing up? I think, you know, so growing up, like, in the earlier parts of my life, me and my mom moved around a lot. And we got kind of, like, more stable towards, like, high school. Just, you know, she bought a house and we lived in that area for a while. But we were we moved around quite a bit. And I just remember being in traffic all the time. You know, L.A. is, like, famous for rush hour traffic. Well, my mom worked downtown L.A. For some parts of my childhood, we lived in, like, West L.A. Then we lived in the Valley. Then we lived in, like... um towards like San Gabriel. So for anybody listening to this from LA already they're cringing because they're imagining all of that <laughs> freeway time. But so, you know, we'd always be, my commute to school would be like an hour in the mornings. We'd spend an hour in the car at night, if not a little more in traffic. So yeah, for me, that's when I fell in love with radio. That's when I really fell in love with, with music. It's just, you know, we didn't have cell phones then. So there was nothing else to get my attention from the monotony of that day in and day out of being stuck in horrendous L.A. traffic. So for me, like like in the mornings, I used to listen to Big Boy. He's the radio host still mm-hmm. in L.A. morning show. And he was such like I can't even describe it. Like listening to him was such an incredible experience because I had never I had never felt so connected to by someone I didn't know. You know, and at wow. that time, we didn't even know what our personalities looked like because you couldn't like nobody really had Web pages and, and, you know, there wasn't social media. So it was really theater of the mind. And it I just remember feeling like he's such a good person. Wow. He sounds like he has so much fun. Oh, my God. He's so funny and authentic, you know, and probably mm-hmm. not in those words because I was a kid. But I just remember feeling heard and spoken to. And yeah. it was just kind of. It was incredible. And it really kind of shifted what I thought I wanted to do with my life. And that mixed with Oprah, you know, um, she's the queen of the world. (laughs) (laughs) And and there's so many life lessons I learned from her, you know, for for a large part of my childhood. I was like a latchkey kid, which means you, you know, you have your key around your neck on a shoelace and you walk home after school. And I would always make sure to be ready for 3 p.m. from as young as I could remember to watch her show. To watch Oprah. So oh the mixture goodness. of like her influence um, at such a young age mixed with like people like Big Boy, like that influence, like really like prolific and authentic radio personalities. It just it brought up in me this deep desire to connect with people um, yeah. and, and to give them that same kind of feeling. I think especially if you are a listener or someone who's not totally immersed in media, but not just media, but also like storytelling and wanting to get bits of good inspiration, information out of people and and to have them talk about things that maybe they've never spoken about before is, you know, I think it's, 
I think it's a gift. I think it's a talent to know how to storytell, to know how to communicate with people, um, to grow as someone who interviews others and who and who gives and also who gives other people a platform to like be their true selves as well and to let others know what they're thinking about. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm interested to know like how did how do you feel like you really started to develop that skill? Like when for you was it was did you come to a point where you're like okay this what I see Big Boy and Oprah doing I know that I can. I can actually do that as well. It doesn't have to be just me listening to them. You know, to be honest, I never thought I could do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Why not? Well, not that I didn't think I could do it. I just didn't necessarily at first occur to me that I would be the one doing that. Like, I kind of thought Mm. like, oh, you know, I'll work behind the scenes, you know, maybe in production or like I never really thought to myself like, oh, this is I'm going to kill this, you know. Um, I wasn't really used to putting myself out there like that. I talked a lot and I had a lot of friends, but I wouldn't call myself like I I never really cared for being like the center of attention. Um, So that kind of made me like a little uneasy, but I kind of fell into it. And at first, you know, when I got the opportunity to first be on air, I was like, oh, I'm going to fail. This is going to be terrible. (laughs) Um, But I just kept going and I kept kind of I I forced myself to do it scared. You know, I forced mm-hmm. myself to work through the fact that I didn't really know how to talk on the radio. I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't know what people were going to think of this. I didn't know really what to ask, but I just forced myself to do it scared. And that's when I kind of, I think kind of my destiny opened up to me in a large part. And the universe kind of saw the initiative I was taking and the fact that I was being like blindly led and just opened up like these really big opportunities really fast for me. And then I just played catch up, you know, and I, I tried to rise to the occasion. Yeah. And so I, is it, would it be accurate to say that really your first experience or opportunity to really talk on air to be a part of a radio station was in college? Yeah, definitely. Um, so in college, Shout out to CSUN, Cal State Northridge, go Matadors. Um, (laughs) I had a chance to get an internship thanks to MySpace. (laughs) MySpace was like super new then. Like I think I had maybe had it for like a year and Facebook was still called the Facebook. And it really was a place at that time where you can network and it was so new for everybody. So you were like responding to every message you got or, you know, just thinking that, um, everyone was sane (laughs) and you were able to just kind of, I don't know. It was just a lot more um, effortless and, and it felt a lot more safe, but Uh I had reached out to these two radio personalities that I had loved listening to when I was like in high school. And I don't know what made me do it. Cause I wasn't, I've always been a go-getter, but again, I was never somebody that was like, look at me, I'm going to be the star. I just knew that I was meant to do cool shit. So I reached out to them and I was like, you know, hey, do you guys need an intern? You know, I had just started taking an intern class. I was like, do you need an intern? Do you need, um, I'll get you coffee, I'll work for free, all this stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. luckily they hit me back and they're like, hey, come, come up to the studio tomorrow. And I went up there and we clicked and I just kind of made it a point to be a valuable asset to them. So every chance that I got, I was thinking forward on how to make their show better and how I could be a part of that and how I could help push that forward. Um, And I think that's a big difference from a lot of like, especially the interns I get now. They come and they say, well, what can you do for me? How can you help me achieve my dreams? And I think the real kind of 
way to build yourself in any career is to say, hi, I'm here to learn and to help push you forward. So what can I do to mm. push you forward? You know? Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I did with them. And it was it was kind of funny. They had this like test moment where I brought up to them of, hey, you know, LL Cool J is in town. You guys should have him on the show. And they were like, OK, make it happen. And I was like, what? I'm 19. I don't know nobody. <laughs> um, and so I, he had had like some book signing. And so I called every Barnes & Noble in Los Angeles and Hollywood to see what Barnes & Noble it was at. And then I talked to the manager and I was like, hey, we would love to feature this appearance on our show. And long story short, we got LL within like two hours. So amazing. after that, they were like, OK, OK, we see that you are, you know, um, tenacious I guess so after that they kind of gave me the opportunity to start popping on their show which eventually led another one of my radio heroes Theo who used to be on an iconic station called The Beat in the 90s he gave me a chance to do like a news and gossip segment on his syndicated show yeah. And, you know, it kind of I mean, I climbed from there like I had a I had a stint like for like a year. I did weather and traffic on Steve Harvey's morning show and did an overnight shift. And you just climb and you get in and you learn. And it kind of happened really fast because that that really started happening like 1920. Um, so, yeah, from okay. there, I just kind of grew my I just kind of grew my voice. But I was still in college at the time, which was crazy and very chaotic trying to keep up with that try to make a little money and then work for free on your dreams. Who is your favorite interview? My favorite interview would definitely, that's so hard. <laughs> that's so hard. Um, I have a few interviews that really mean a lot to me. Um, definitely. Like every time I've talked to Kanye, I've always felt inspired. I think he's such a polarizing person, but He's a genius, man, and he he's so yeah. passionate. And and every time I've encountered him, he's just been a really great person who's just passionate and artistic, you know, and and likes to share his thoughts and his gifts. So every time I've I've had a chance to sit down with Kanye, it's turned into something way more than I thought it would be. Like if I was told you only have 15 minutes with him, well, he will talk for 2 hours with me, you know? Right. And and you just yeah. get a chance to like really um, see into his mind, see see that creativity. Um, another interview that I really love, and probably no one saw this, but I did an interview when I was working with um, my friend Nick and Hard Knock TV, and we interviewed Warren G at this show he was doing. Um, and this is a long, long, long time ago, but that interview to me meant so much because I am a massive West Coast hip hop head, and. I had a chance to talk to him about, you know, stuff that I always wanted to know. Like, why didn't he sign to Death Row? And, yeah. you know, what was his relationship with Dre like? And, and you know, how did, how did that feel when you're kind of interconnected with all these dudes, but you're not on the same label as them? So it's a whole different movement. But then Yeah, the so politics behind that, man. Yeah. Crazy. And he's so, and, and Warren was so wildly successful, and he's such a dope person. Um but I thought, like, to me, that interview was incredible, you know, and he got there was a moment where he got kind of emotional, like he he became very transparent, opening up yeah. about how that felt for him and what, you know, what was really behind that. And to me, that was like some of my best work. I walked away like this was fascinating. Um, so I love that. And I think it's always it's always amazing to talk to Kendrick. But one interview in particular, um, now a couple of years ago, we talked about 
the shift in wanting to kind of help empower people to a lane of self-discovery. And I got so much feedback from that interview and it really meant a lot to me. And, you know, talking about like, like his record, I love myself. Like that's a mantra. Like that's something that could be the first time someone said that out loud when they sing it along to your song, you know? So I thought for me, that was just such an inspiring moment too. Just using what you have in your talent to move people forward. I think that that is the shift everybody needs to turn to or find a way to incorporate into whatever their career is. In so many ways, I feel like people are searching for something, right? Like they're searching for something to believe in or just for something to ground them. And it seems like you also really figure that out through um, the artists that you that you speak to. Like, you know, they're kind of going through that same thing as well. Yeah, I feel like we all are at different levels, you know, and I think some of us choose to embrace it and some of us don't. Some of us want to fill that empty space with distractions, but the seeker's path is the best path you can be on in your life. Um, It's the most fulfilling. So that's what I always strive to do. I'm a seeker in every moment. I'm looking for something bigger than myself or bigger than what's in front of me, looking for light, looking for truth. And I definitely think in today's society and the way people are so accessible, but I mean, the energy you're opened up to is crazy if you're famous right now. So I definitely see that in a lot of artists and actors, just this, how do I find peace? You know, how do I find peace Mm. in this chaos? I know, and now you're out here giving um giving crystals to rap stars and, and whatnot, and, and, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And they're they're loving it, and they seem to really be I don't know that seems to really be a, a moment for them. And so you have always been in radio and in music in some capacity, and yeah. I find that amazing and also fascinating in a lot of ways, just because you know, like most people change career paths at some point. Um, you know, they kind of move on to doing something else, but it seems like you've really been rooted in this um, in this career that's really based on entertainment and music. And I think you always have to have a love for those things in order to really stick with it. I love radio. Like, I'm in love yeah. with doing radio. I think it's truly a gift and an honor to be able to have any any space inside anyone's mind to, to have a part of their day and to be able to talk to them and share with them. So I'm I'm massively in love with radio, but I think even more... For me now, as like my career just kind of grows, I'm more in love with the ability to connect, I think, than even the entertainment side of it. Like that used to be a huge part of it, huge part. And especially working in hip hop radio, like I got into it around 19, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm not that old. Everybody listening, I'm actually very young, (laughs) but (laughs) I started I started really young. And the difference was I had kind of huge opportunities just as luck would have it at a very young age. But yeah, I'm very, you know, that was a huge part of it. Like being able to talk to artists that you, you grew up listening to or that you were fans of, or being able to go to all the parties or all the concerts or get all the free stuff. And that was a huge part of it and definitely amazing. And I loved it. But now for me, I'm more addicted to the depth of what I'm able to do. I'm more addicted and in love and trying to grow in the way of how do I connect with people deeper than the surface? How do I, how do I connect with you on a level that's deeper than me just getting you to listen for another two songs or being able to take a picture with a rapper? Like how, how is, how can I have more depth in my life in every moment? Yeah. And how have you figured that out or have you come to any conclusions yet? I think I've I've really figured it out just by 
growing myself and and being open to the process. Like I feel really good about ways that I'm connecting right now, ways that I'm growing my audience, ways that I'm growing myself, but I'm open to the evolution of learning new things in every moment. You know, um, I read this quote recently that said, uh, always seek enlightenment, but never follow anyone that says they're enlightened. And I thought that was really kind of deep because I think, you know, positivity is kind of on trend also, you know, it's, it's the era of yoga and meditation and all those things. But in that, you can really still lose yourself in trying to follow behind somebody else or taking, you know, everything that they say into account because our journeys are ours. So a lot of that means you need to do the foraging. You need to do kind of the deeper walk through the firework um, that you can only find out on your own to build your own belief system. When did you decide that you wanted to become a certified meditation teacher? When did you decide that this was another way that you wanted to um, to connect with people? You know, radio seems like one part of it, but I feel like there's this other huge part to you as well that you've really been pursuing. You know, I think when I first kind of started my own journey and, and going to meditation retreats, um, it, it changed me immensely. Like it changed every single thing about my life. And I don't necessarily want to say change as in like I was a different person because I, I wasn't necessarily a different person, but it enhanced my life. I'll say that like kind of taking on these these daily practices and these teachings, it enhanced everything about my life and just kind of really polished it and allowed me to be or at least strive to be my best self in every moment. Um, I definitely fall short plenty of times, but. You know, I try as hard as I can to to get back up and still strive for what I believe in and who I want to be. But when I kind of I kind of had gone through it at a certain point, like I think like 10 different retreats over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I read about um, the certification course. And one thing that really drove me to it, you know, at first I didn't think, oh, I want to be able to teach specifically Um But some of the things that I'd be learning, it was so fascinating to me. And I thought it would be a great way for me to deepen my own understanding of Vedic tradition and understanding of the process of growth and healing. And, you know, I thought it would just really deepen my practice. Um, So I did. I I started taking the courses and it took me about a year to be able to get through it and to get certified um, because it was a ton of information. But it was yeah. so amazing. And after that, I was like, oh, I absolutely have to share this. I absolutely yeah. have to start incorporating this every time I'm invited to do, you know, to, to speak or to do anything. Um, I want to incorporate this now in everything that I do. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Like if I'm invited somewhere to speak about business or about radio or about whatever, you know, I, I really like yeah. to always push all of my teachings into that because I think that's a true reflection of my life. Like I'm not going to go somewhere and just tell people, Oh, grind it out, get an internship, make yourself valuable. And then that's how you get here. No, (laughs) not at all. You know, it's, it's everything you have to invest in your spirit. You have to work on you. And what I've really found is that the more you do that, the more everything else falls into place really effortlessly. Yeah. And I do feel like this has been the generation, at least for me, especially as a millennial, this, this to me seems like the self care generation or kind of like we're in this self care time where I see a lot of kids. And I also think kids, you know, kids of color too, who are really just looking for ways to cope with a lot of things that 
we 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 weren't always super aware of or maybe we were aware of but now everyone is aware of it it's, you know like social justice police brutality um gun control like these are all things that are a part of our media diets now right and i think that in a lot of ways people are looking for ways to cope with this right like yeah. they're looking for ways in if it's not religion and if it's not you know like a a traditional religion maybe it's it's another way. And so I'm, I'm finding that a lot of my peers are turning to meditation, yoga. Like, I don't know, have, have you, have you kind of seen this within the, the people that you talk to at all? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think people are looking again for peace. I think, and this was my personal experience and, and some girlfriends that work in the industry have said the same thing, but you get to a point where you're hitting all of these goals, right? You're reaching these different things that you wanted to accomplish, be it a promotion or the car or the man or whatever. And we were always taught that once you reach all of those things, then you're good and life is coasting. But then once you get Mm -hmm. there, you realize, oh no, like there's still a lot of areas that need some work. And you also feel like, what else? You know, okay, well, I got all this stuff. How come I'm not as ecstatic as I was always told I would be? You know, what right. else? What else is missing? I need more. I want more. And that that's real invitation to grow. And I think that's what it really is. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of us are building brands now at a higher level than ever before, especially women of color, but especially women. Like, this is really the first time in history that we've been as powerful as we are right now. And we're, yeah. we're checking all of this stuff off our list. And then you're saying, OK, I need more. I can't just keep doing for everybody. You know, we were always taught that. Like the fact that we are right. children and given babies as toys is crazy. Like, I've always thought that was the weirdest thing that it's like that you give is, a baby oh God, a baby to play with. That. that is crazy. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And boys and are Barbies. given a truck or they're given a peer, right? Like, they're given a my buddy, which is a doll that's its same age to play with. But we're always put into the role of caregiver from the moment we ourselves come out the womb. And it's it's bizarre and it's unhealthy. And at a certain point, we start to wake up and we say, I don't want to just be the caregiver in every situation because who's going to help me? So it's like the little things like remembering to do the yoga or the meditation or whatever self-care. Like for me this past weekend, yo, I've been ripping and running for the past few weeks. Like when I say like I'm really trying to ward off colds in every second, I'm serious because my like my immune system is so low right now just from all the travel and not sleeping. And Finally, I said on on Sunday, I was like, I have to stay home all day. I have to. And all I did was spend like two hours deep conditioning my hair and I gave myself a facial. And that might not seem like a big deal. But for me, that was a reminder of love yourself. Like that was a very healing day for me because even taking the time to focus on my split ends <laughs> and my dry skin and my, you know, my, my breakouts, like that was me saying you are putting yourself first. And that's like a huge part of that self-love process. Like remembering to squeeze in those moments in, in a really gentle way to remind yourself just of how worthy of care you are. I wanted to know how did all of this, I mean, you kind of talk about how this, how all of this really led to Karma Bliss, which I guess if I, if I were to explain it to other people and how I do explain it to other people is it seems like a place and a platform for people to learn more, I think about themselves and the kind of, and also I think it's about self-discovery in a lot of ways, but using these very specific tools of like meditation, um, journaling, I would even say like it's someplace where you can learn more about 
crystals and whatnot, something that yeah. I've been learning more about. Somebody gave me a crystal a few weeks ago, and I was like, I don't 100% know what to do with this, but thank you, and I'm going to, like, really figure this out. But, like, karma was like, what, what are, when did you decide that this was something that that needed to be materialized in the way that you did it through Karma Bliss. But also, like, I want to know what is your future goal with that? Like, what do you want it to also evolve into? You know what? Like, so I would really describe Karma Bliss as being a lifestyle brand of self-discovery. My biggest thing with Karma Bliss is that I don't want to be your... How do I want to word this? I don't want to be your facade I don't want to be the thing Mm -hmm. that you find really cool quotes and stand behind those quotes and do no other self-work right I want to be I want to and no and like that's not a dig to anything but I want to be I want to be the place where you're given some tools because I think the first step is that we realize we want maybe more positivity in our life or we want something to change. So we all start following empowering pages or we start looking up like really quote, like amazing quotes and kind of sitting with them or writing them down places or putting them up on the wall to just kind of remind us and center us. I think a lot of people start at that first step, which is amazing and beautiful. But I think we have to challenge ourselves to push forward and go up a few more steps a lot of what we need is to work through and unlearn all the things that don't serve us and Mm -hmm. reset our behavior and so with karma bliss for me a lot of that a lot of my journey was journaling meditation um definitely like manifesting and 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 kind of vision planning and Crystals, you know, so I focus on that on the site, karmabliss.com, as um, great ways to get started. You know, a lot of people might say like, ah, but I don't know how to start journaling. I absolutely used to have that problem. Um, So we have like different different information and prompts to help you know how to start that dialogue and conversation with yourself. Same thing with meditation. You know, we all think, oh, I think too much. There's no way I can sit still that long. Uh, How long do I need to sit there? So I kind of, I demystify a lot of that so that it's easier to start so that you can really begin that journey. And then you'll add more things to your routine. You'll add more things that you find serving, that you discover. Um, And I really wanted to do that because I kind of hit a point where I was doing things the right way. Like, okay, I learned how to meditate. Okay, like, you know, I'm I'm upbeat and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm posting stuff up all over the house. And then life will still hit you hard because you need to go to those deeper levels and those deeper layers of yourself. And I really just want to kind of help people start that journey more than anything. Um, And really, a lot of the places that I would go to, I would be the youngest person there or I'd be the only person of color there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was learning some really, really impactful things. And I wanted to be able to share that with people that look like me. Right. Yeah. That's a big part of it, too, I think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a huge part. Like I want to be able, especially like just young people in general, women, especially um, young professionals, man, like we're under such a high level of pressure, not just to earn, not just to grow in our careers and build these quote unquote brands, because now everything has to be its own mega brand. You know, we also live in such a comparative world right now. Like we're seeing what everybody around us is doing in every moment and we're human. So of course that's going to make us competitive, comparative, 
jealous sometimes you know too. like we we do things so that other people can can see them or we want them yeah. to at least know what we're up to absolutely um, and it's like you know what if you don't do any any kind of deeper digging you'll get lost in that and not know why and not even know how you got there because so much of it is placed on you. You didn't run out and decide you wanted to start comparing yourself to everybody. Society positioned you that way. So how do we right. unlearn that? How do we let go of those roles? How do we not care so much about what our title is or what people think we are, or how valuable they think we are? Like, how do we get out of that headspace? And that was like such a huge breakthrough for me. And that's the part where I want to help people do the heavy lifting, you know? And, and that's the real... I think for me, the the biggest piece of karma bliss, you know, I we're not here to do the work for you. Like it's all of your heavy lifting, but we're going to point you in the direction of how to start. But you yeah. have to dig through your life and there is no other way but to go through it. There is no other way. There's not an easy way. There's not a 30 days to happiness. There's not, you know, um, you'll meditate every day and life will be perfect. Like you have to walk through the fire. And once you get on the other side, my God life opens up to you and then you can share it. Okay, so I want to speak specifically about crystals just because for me personally, this has been somewhat of a fascination for me. <laughs> Definitely, I love crystals. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple, and then it's so funny because then I found out that a few of my other friends are like, girl, I buy crystals and like go and go to stores and like I'm really into this. And I was like, wow, I had, I had no idea. So... A few weeks ago over the summer, I was given a crystal by someone who at like a wellness shop. I think she gave it to me. She like asked me what my sign was. I'm a Sagittarius. So she asked me what my sign was and said, okay, uh, here's like, here is a crystal for you, like in addition to whatever else I bought. And so here is my first question. What is it about actual crystals that help to manifest? <clears throat> Um, de- depending on what type of different crystal it is, what what is it about the actual crystal that makes them something that you you gravitate towards and you really like to have in your life? So I think um, you know with crystals there there's so much that we don't know. Just like mm-hmm. with anything that's kind of like spirit led, like there there's so many things that you don't know like for a fact. No crystal can I say like this is 100 percent going to be make you feel this way because of x y and z but i will Mm -hmm. say like for crystals i think they're so incredible because they are millions of years old like let's take a second to really put into perspective we we live in like so much newness and so much consumerism and and very Mm -hmm. disconnected from nature and don't always uh we're not always taught to value and be in awe of it in the way that we should but these things were formed millions of years ago. In some cases, one was just found in Australia that's 4 billion years old. So imagine the energy that is harnessed in that. Imagine the, the history and the depth and the frequencies and the vibrations that are right. harnessed in something that is older than anything you've ever been able to conceive, you know? Yeah, um, okay, I haven't thought of it that way. That's so true. Yeah, like, and it's, for me, when I use crystals, I feel more connected than ever to God and to the earth. Like, I feel in awe. Like, of course, they're beautiful, and yes, you can wear them as jewelry, but wow, we're just like a, a second in, in the world's true history, you know, human beings. We're like this little speck of dust in this magnificent earth, you know? So when I like crystals for me, that that brings such a spiritual connection for that reason. And then also, you know, people 
much more connected and centuries and centuries ago started noticing different qualities that each one had when you kept it near you. So I think um, all crystals are good. Like there's no crystal that's going to be bad for you. But some more than others may help you with specific things. You know, there are crystals that are known for more emotional healing, you know. So if you get one of those, you got to be ready for that, you know, and the energy might present itself just in all of a sudden you might be faced with certain obstacles that are bringing about things in you that you've never worked on before or you're presented with a type of opportunity um, that's going to stretch you or grow you but it's always going to challenge you. And that's the biggest thing. Like with crystals, these are not, you know, it's not a Harry Potter magic wand. You're not going to have one. And all of a sudden life is cool. You still have to do the work. And a lot of times they just bring you a little closer to being able to do that work and bring you more peace as you're doing it. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I think I just needed to hear someone who definitely has more knowledge than I do, just kind of bring it all full circle for me. And I think the point about, it, it seems like what they're there to do is to like help you through the help you through the process. Like they're not going to make things just manifest in your life, but they're there to help along with the work that you should already be doing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because nothing is going to do the work but you. And I and I know I keep saying that, but I just want to stress stress it to people because I think that the sooner we understand that and make peace with that, the easier it is, and the more joyful we can even go about the business of pain, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. no way to grow without discomfort. It is not possible. There's no way to grow to the next level of who you are without some pain, you know, but instead yeah. of looking at pain as something that we always want to run away from looking at it as something we should be embracing and just kind of settle in for a bit. Um, it, it's just, it's very freeing and it'll help you kind of get through it a lot faster and easier. Okay, here's my last question for you. I want to know what is your dream right now? What are you what are you running towards? What are you aspiring towards? You know it's so weird. You know it's so weird. In really the last couple of years, I've kind of stepped away from like very specific goal setting only mm-hmm. because like I've been leaving a lot of room for the universe to lead me to what it wants for me and not get too kind of um, consumed with what I want for me. But I've just been trying to really show up for myself in every moment and kind of give my life my best effort so that whatever the universe points me in front of, I'm ready for it. But I will say um, what I've been specifically asking God for is more opportunities to be of service. Um, And I hope, you know, ideally I hope that's in a way where I'm able to utilize my, you know, many years of experience in media and in in connecting with listeners and viewers. Um, but really, more than anything, I just want to be of more service to the world, whatever that means. So that that's kind of just what I propel myself towards all the time.
Alrighty, so I have one segment in my podcast that really just circles back to the name of my podcast, Am I Lost Like Anything? And it's called the Trust One segment. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a time, it's a person, this can be a person, place, thing, experience that you are just like really loving right now that you really want to shout out and let people know that you appreciate. So I'm wondering if you may have something like that as of right now. There are two things that I appreciate so much right now in this moment. One of those things is uh, writer, director, actor, Nate Parker, who came out with Birth of a Nation. I think that movie is absolutely numbingly incredible. I think it's such an important film. It's a faith-based film as much as it is a revolutionary film. And it has lit a fire in me. And, and really inspired me in so many ways. And I'm just kind of in awe of the process of it even being made. So I appreciate that film in the world. And I would really want people to check it out and, and to sit with it. I think it's so important. Um, another thing that I really appreciate right now is Solange. Oh, my goodness. Wait, before, <laughs> before we go on to Solange, I can talk about her all day. When did you see, um, when did you see Birth of a Nation? So I had a chance to see um, Birth of a Nation probably maybe like a month ago, maybe five weeks before it came out. And I saw it uh, in Canada at the Toronto Film Festival. Okay. It's so crazy. I walked out of there and I called my boy and I had to stand outside for like two hours and walk in circles and just think it out. And so I just yeah. kind of, it was like a rainy night. I had never been to Toronto before, but I'm like walking in circles through the streets uh, to like one in the morning talking to a friend of mine on the phone about yeah. it. Cause I was like, I, I have to work through these thoughts. Like I, I have to discuss this with someone. And I'm just, I'm really just curious to know, because obviously there's been so much controversy around people finding out about Nate Parker and the rape case and whatnot and all the new details. It didn't really deter you from seeing the film, which seems like, and it seems like you really enjoyed it. So I'm curious to know, like, did you have any belief behind, you know, deciding to see it or kind of what, where, I'm curious to know what was your headspace around that? Uh, so honestly, not in the least. It didn't deter me at all. Um, when I first heard about this movie, of course, before any of the any of that kind of past yeah. information came out, you know, I, I'd been I'm I'm super I'm a really just in love with film. So I heard about it probably a year ago when he mm -hmm. when it was at Sundance. Um, so I, I was hooked from that moment. I was like, I have to see this film. I felt a really like an emotional connection to it um, just on the bits and pieces that I saw. I will say. I don't I don't believe the way the media is portraying him. I don't think that that was even the real reasoning for why this is coming out. This is something that's a part of his past that he's never hidden from or run away from. Um, I mm -hmm. think that there is a reason it's coming out now. And I think it is to keep people from seeing this film. I think that Nate Parker is brilliant. I think he's a good man. And I think that something we should look clearly at, because I did take a lot of time to read the transcripts and to really dig into that and, and know the facts about it. Um, I will say it wouldn't have deterred me either way from seeing the film. If you can see okay. a Woody Allen film or if you can see a Roman Polanski film, then you should not be turning away from this because of that. Um, I think this film is really, really, really important. Um, but I will say from doing a little bit of investigation 
on the situation, um, I think it's important to remind people that he was found innocent. Not only was he found innocent, he was found innocent in an all white area as a black man with an all white jury. And I think that that should be looked at. I think it's easy to get stuck between the headline. I think it's easy to get really emotionally wrapped up into it. But Uh people are falsely accused all the time. I believe this to be that. Got it. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk about Franz for a second. I'm so glad that this is your second plus one. Oh, my God. A seat at the table. Yo. (laughs) And the visuals, too. I had a friend with a really great point for, um, to me, which I, which I thought was great. One thing that, uh, that annoys me is that people love to compare a seat at the table to lemonade simply because they're sisters. And I definitely, obviously there is that connection there. I mean, it's most certainly, uh, something that is really about healing and about, um, empowerment, particularly for people of color and also for black women, but it was like, to me, I don't, it's not a really about comparing them. It's really about thinking about, the, I guess, the different crevices of my life that it's kind of impacted. And I've totally loved it. Yeah, I thought this was like, this album is, it's masterful. It really is. Um, the songwriting, just the transparency. It's like the way I keep describing it when I'm talking about it to people is it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It is so beautiful. Um, and I think in a lot of her lyrics, she is doing what I really strive to do, which is push people towards themselves and give them a plan of action of how to do that. And I think her lyrics really, by her sharing her journey and her story, she's really doing that for people. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I also love all the fashion in it. I just have to say, I mean, on a very surface level, I thought it was really great. It, but I think also one thing to note about A Seat at the Table and something that I even read just through an interview with Solange was that the process of making the album was not instant, right? She kind of had to go back and forth and rewrite, and she took breaks, and she traveled, and she learned more about herself. And she was able, and it, and it was a labor of time and love, but it also wasn't instant. And the product, the outcome was amazing. And I almost feel like that's a testament to life and, and creating content and just like putting out work and putting out things that you believe in, right? Absolutely. I love, like, I'm, I'm so inspired by that because I think that is, number one, as an artist, that's really what's going to give you so much longevity when you're connecting emotionally with your fan base and they can grow with you. You're inviting them to come along for the ride. That's huge. You know, I think Beyonce, of course, does that so well. Solange does that so well. Artists like Kendrick, J. Cole, they do that so well. And they're also trying to help aid you in your spirit search. You know, like they want to push you forward. I remember Beyonce, she did... um, Right before, I think she dropped Lemonade. I think it was right before. She did that interview with Elle magazine after the Super Bowl. And she yeah. said she wants to make music that helps people heal. Wow. What a way yeah. to be of service to the world. You know, what a way to use your gift in service. And I think that's what you saw in Lemonade, whether that was her story or not. There were things in that song that everybody could feel and relate to. And yeah. I, I'm sure it was so healing for so many people who heard it. Same thing with this Solange album. You know, this is healing for people. Agreed. Savvy, 
I feel like we could talk forever, but this has been so great. And I'm so glad that I'm able to even have you on my podcast. From are you, So you're obviously in Houston right now, yes? Yeah, right now I am talking to you from 93.7 The Beat Studios in H-Town. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, what do you have planned for the rest of your day? So I have got to finish my show, and then um, I have a couple meetings related to Karma Bliss. I got to go to the DMV, which is not pretty, because this has <laughs> this has turned into also like my errand day, because um, I'm in town for like the next two days. So I was like, all right, let me do all the stuff that I have no right. desire to do today. So I'm going to try <laughs> to knock some of that stuff out. That's amazing. Well, not amazing, but I mean, we got to do what we got to do, right? Right. So. Right. <laughs> and that's amazing, right? Let me check off some, yes, some stressors exactly, on my exactly. list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I so appreciate your time and I so appreciate this conversation. And I know that we're just going to continue to have this conversation and whether it's on social media or via email. And I'm, I'm excited. Definitely. Me too. You know what? I want to add one thing just to kind of... Mm-hmm. Now I'm out of order, but I want people to also think in terms of I know that this Nate Parker situation is harmful to some people because it might be bringing up something. But I do also want to keep in mind, like our ability as human beings to evolve and to grow. And I think the narrative never was that he wasn't not necessarily the best or most kind person when he was 19. You know, I think. um mm-hmm. I think he's been like super uh, transparent about sharing that. No, you know, now as a Christian man, looking back, none of that was behavior I should have dabbled in. But I think um, we also have to give people an opportunity to grow and to change and to evolve and to become versions of themselves they didn't see possible. And I think that that is what he is doing in this moment. I think it is so courageous to make a film like this the way that he made it. And I think this film is so important for us and what is happening in the world right now. So I hope people do, do take a moment to, to go see it. It's, it's absolutely incredible, but thank you so much for having me. This was really awesome talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate it and enjoy the rest of your day. And I'm sure that we'll be talking very soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. 